This is Called by God, stories of ordained women in the Anglican Diocese of Grafton. I'm Reverend Cathy Ridd, and welcome. Today I'm in conversation with the very Reverend Naomi Cook, Dean of Grafton Cathedral. This conversation happened before Naomi was installed. The news had been quite recently announced. Naomi, thank you so much for speaking with me today. Tell me the story of how you came to answer or hear God's call to ordain ministry and then answer it. I grew up uh, as a little girl in the Roman Catholic Church and I kind of always wanted to be a priest, but I knew that I wasn't allowed to be. And then I entered like a world of ecumenism. I got involved with the local Anglican youth group because my best friend was the local Anglican um, minister's daughter. And I started getting involved in a whole lot of interchurch things like beach mission as a young person. But I was always really involved in my Catholic church and youth group. When I went to uni, in the um, arts degree syllabus, it said there were theology subjects. I'm like, oh, that sounds interesting. Um, and when I ticked that one, that it said I had to go next door to Macquarie Uni to the Baptist Theology College. That's where you did the theology subjects. And so I ended up having to enrol in a Baptist Theology College and they were they were just as, you know, confused as I was. So I'm like, oh, I just was going to do an Old Testament subject as part of my arts degree. Um, they're like, oh, you need a letter from your pastor. So I'm like, oh, Father David, can you write me a letter? And then I really enjoyed studying theology. So I, I just kept going with that and did a whole theology degree through the Baptist College while I also did an arts degree while studying my minister said, why don't we put you on as a student pastor and you can learn a bit about this, you know, what it means to be in ministry. And then before I know it, I'd graduated with a theology degree. Everyone else who graduated were on their track to being ordained Baptist uh, ministers, but I just graduated. My hubby and I were looking for a change and we uh, moved to um, we moved to North Queensland and I looked for any job that I was qualified for. And the local Anglican school were looking for a chaplain and the bishop interviewed me and said, well, you're not quite chaplain yet. You're just a bit young, fresh. How about we call you a youth minister? And so that's where it started for me. So I kind of fell into it. And along the way after that, I had a whole lot of people encouraged that the next step for me was ordination. The bishop um, a, a priest who was mentoring me, they're like, oh, this is, what, this is what you're ready for. This is what you do next. And for me, because I'd already felt that sense of calling when I was a little girl at the Catholic Church, it's not really natural. I mean, it's just who I am. My faith in God is just such an integral part of who I am and where my focus is every day. It's such a joy to spend my life focusing on loving God and loving others and teaching others about how to find faith and how to find their place close to God. This is all I ever really wanted to do with my day-to-day time. I often feel with my calling a bit like Luther who said, here I stand, I can do no other. Especially with the next step in my journey, it's been a, oh, okay, I think maybe I need to do this. I think maybe I'm the one. Very Isaiah, here I am, Lord. 
And so I guess all of my ordination vocation has been that. Interestingly, in the last few years, I've been contemplating studying full-time in the health science just because I love health stuff, Um, not because I would no longer be an ordained vocational person, just, just because maybe this is where I'm called to. Maybe I could bring my priest and chaplaincing to somewhere else outside the church. Ironically, I'm being drawn back right into the very centre of the church, which I've really never been. It's really quite hilarious where God has called me right now. Yeah, that's part of my journey. Can you talk a little bit about the process of answering the call to be the next D as well? I had had many people say to me, Maybe you could, you know, do that. Maybe you could be the dean. And I literally thought that each person was joking. And then one of the people I talked to followed it up and said, no, I'm, I'm not joking. And after about an hour and a half of conversation, I went, oh, really? Okay. And then eventually I reached out to the bishop and said, this might be crazy, but could we have a conversation about this? And he said to me, yeah, I've been thinking about you, but I knew that you were thinking about other things and that you got a lot on your plate. And and so I had a conversation with him and that was like maybe December last year. And he said, think about it over the the summer. Just think and pray and I I talked to my spiritual director and we had we had some good chats about two and I got pretty close to the end of the summer holidays school holidays feeling a bit panicky going uh the bishop said I needed to think about it and pray about it over the holidays and that's nearly finished and I still don't quite know what I think about this um I got to the end of the holidays and I listened to a random audio book about decision making and one of the chapters basically said just do it. Just make a change. What's the worst that can happen? And that kind of talked me into like I can like other people are encouraging me to do this. I have a vision for what it might mean to be the pastor in the center of the mother church for a diocese. I I'm always someone who is pulling creative things and encouraging people to have a go. And so it actually fits really well with who I am and I'm ready for a change and you know there was conversations with the um, presentation board which helped me like tease out things and by the end of it they asked me do you feel called I was like yes you know yes and then it went a bit crazy when it got announced and you know relatives in Darwin contacted me and I'm like how do you know about this they're like oh apparently it's actually pretty big news I didn't know that. And then one of the current female deans messaged me and said, hello, you'll be the ninth woman to be a dean in Australian history. And I was like, oh, my goodness. And also the fact that I was ordained priest by a woman is very unusual. We're forging new ground. Like it's a whole new world. Thank you. That's good to have that bit of extra background. Back now to your original call to ordain ministry, what were the challenges that you encountered along the way? I remember uh, going to a preaching conference as a young woman when I think I was probably still studying theology and 
I sat down and the man next to me looked at me and said, what are you doing here? You shouldn't be here. I've experienced some pretty significant gender-based discrimination. When I go to my high school reunions, the people around me do the most phenomenal jobs, you know, like the aide to the Prime Minister or like international lawyer working at The Hague or they're a top neurologist or something like that. None of them have experienced gender-based discrimination in the same way that I have. I grew up in a world post-feminism where as a little girl I could be anything I wanted except in the religious domain. So, that you know, that, that's been tough. It is a challenge that there just hasn't been women ahead of me who've lived this. Like I, I was first ordained in my young 20s, like 26 or so. There just hasn't been women ahead of me who've lived through their young 20s and 30s and 40s doing the juggle that I'm doing. And so that's a challenge, um, not seeing it modelled. The exciting thing is the little girls who are growing up now are seeing it modelled, so much so that a friend of mine's daughter asked her, hang on, mummy, can boys be priests as well? Because she'd only seen female priests, you know, like, and I want a world where kids see men and women being priests, so it's not ideal if she isn't seeing male priests around as well. Um, But it's a different world to what I grew up in. What do you think are the biggest challenges facing ordained women in the Anglican Church of Australia today? I love this worldwide Anglican communion and I love that there's room for everyone. But I'm aware that there's limits and boundaries and when you spend time on the edges of the limits and the boundaries, um, it can feel like you're in a war zone and that comes at a cost. Um, And gender-based stuff is a big part of it. So I'm aware that I feel vulnerable as a female Anglican, as a female Anglican, as well as a female Anglican leader. There's a level of vulnerability, the attacks that can happen and the unkindness. And I get it. It's hard to be in a family that disagrees. There's almost like a defining of who's in and who's out. And that always makes me feel a bit unsafe as well. Like we're also on a huge time of change with like I have a particular passion for reconciliation. And so one of the challenges I face as a leader in the Anglican world is that we've got a really bloody history I'm very aware that I walk in the shoes of a a church that's been part of colonialism and I find that a challenge. And so a big part of what I care about is is reconciliation. I just think I can't not care about reconciliation. I have to take it really seriously. And also in the hope that we don't do more damage as a church in the future. There's a challenge of just being a woman who is a mum who juggles things. And so at the moment I'm on school holidays and juggling working and and kids. That's just something our church needs to take on board. Now, if we're going to have parents with young kids working, then we need to do it in a way that facilitates, you know, good parenting. What gives you joy in your ministry? 
I've been working with uh, children and educators for a really long time and that has given me so much joy. In the last three weeks, I have sent two teachers who don't have religious backgrounds to go to the godly play trainings and both of them have had transcendent experiences at the godly play trainings and they're doing it because it's part of working at an Anglican school and so they're upskilling themselves and neither of them come with a deep knowledge of all the stories that godly play deals with. And so it's exciting. Like I'm not someone that often talks about evangelising and conversion but it is exciting when people are drawn in to these great stories and this relationship with God through things like Godly Play. I enjoy through doing things that are quite physical in ministry, Godly Play, labyrinth walking, um, you know, leading retreats. I've had so much joy learning Gambanya language with the Guru Group kids over the last eight years at Bishop Drew College. Part of my vocation is just to care um, and to be there. So that has given me great joy. I I am very much a team person. Like I I spend a lot of time in conversation in my day and that's what keeps me going. I like just having someone to, to chat with makes a big difference in life. I get joy from from being able to lead people spiritually, to bring in the creator into people's special moments in life to feel a sense of, like, groundedness that who we are is part of God's world. Like, that gives me great joy to orientate people in an inclusive and inviting way. Um, and that gives me joy that people feel a sense of inclusion from my ministry. If the first thing that people get about me is that they're not judged and they're welcome, then that gives me joy. Naomi, thank you so much for being with me today. Next week I'll be in conversation with Canon Angela Dutton. Join me then. Goodbye. Called by God is produced in the Diocese of Grafton as part of the celebration to mark the 30th anniversary of the ordination of women in the diocese. Produced and edited by the Reverend Kathy Ridd, Copyright 2023.